You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. There is no doubt, Eric, that Johnny Gaudreau is an all-world skilled talent. Two years ago, he had 99 points. A year ago, it was 58 points. Will Johnny Gaudreau have a bounce-back year of sorts for the Flames? I think he'll be better than he was last year. I think they're going to use him in a different role. I think they're going to roll four lines a lot more than they ever have here in Calgary because they've got that depth. And they want to take pressure off of Johnny Gaudreau. That's one of the big organizational goals moving forward. So he will not return to 99-point form, in my opinion, ever in his career. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Eric Francis is a fucking clown podcast, podcast, podcast. Is Johnny top guy now? Daryl? You the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. What a loser. He'll never, ever return to 99 point form. Why? Because I'm a fucking genius and I hate this guy. See, that's what's funniest to me about it is he the the season Gaudreau stunk which like the 2019-2020 season Francis just like he he could hardly contain his glee to like show everybody how bad he was he's like see oh. dude he was that season near the end he was literally walking around with a permanent boner in his pants that's how gleeful he was that Johnny Gaudreau had an off season playing with shitty line mates and like his didn't his grandpa die or something? And it was just like an end. The whole Bill Peters thing happened. Oh, and the whole shutdown happened. And, oh, and Jeff Ward was your fucking coach, the yeah. biggest amateur of a coach this team's seen. And you got probably this, ever. all of these, all of these like self owns now happened within that time frame. Because <clears throat> if you recall the timeline of Francis being a dipshit with Johnny Gaudreau, it's it's shifted from oh Gaudreau will never resign here then he had a couple he had a bad year a few bad playoffs oh the flames can't win with this guy he's, he's got to go there was another clip i posted from from last year remember when he was talking about uh how Gaudreau is not the best the team's best forward not even close he's oh, not yeah, the not team's really, best forward he's not he's, he's not, not even, even close he's not even close and he goes i know i represent a lot of people who think he's not part of the solution here um so it it, it morphed into okay Gaudreau has to go because the team can't win with him because he sucks and now it's come like full circle to, okay, yeah, he's really good, um, but the Flames are now going to be priced out of signing him because he's so good and he's going to want so much money. It's just been – it's watching this guy do the mental gymnastics for, just because he hates Gaudreau for some reason has just been an absolute delight. Take the fucking L, you piece no, of shit. No, he won't. He'll never let this go. It's insane. Well, this – I mean, I posted this on, on <clears throat> Twitter because you sent this to me after Johnny hit 99. I put the link out there and I'm like, dude, we got to send me the, the little clip of him just saying he's never going to do it. 
That's what, shit. A, what a stupid statement too. Like, why is he even making a take like that? Dude, like this guy doesn't under, he doesn't, his takes are terrible. He doesn't understand hockey. Why is he, he's not the voice, but he's a prominent voice in the reporting world covering this team. My biggest thing is like, he makes shit up. Remember two seasons ago when he's like, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau is, he's just a power play guy. Like that's where he gets all his points. And it's like, dude, no, it isn't. Look at the fucking facts. I don't even know if that was two years ago. That was like in the off season. Yeah, maybe, maybe fuck time is time is irrelevant. Yeah, maybe it was two seasons ago. But yeah, that was his thing. He wrote a whole article about how like this is now Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk's team because Monahan and Goudreau are just power play guys. And then you look at the stats. He's like top 10 in in even strength points in the entire league since Andrew. He's making literally making stuff up as a reporter and saying it's it's fact to support his fucking weird fetish with hating Johnny Gaudreau. How is that allowed? How is there no accountability in the journalism world where it's just like, uh, Eric, where's Sportsnet? Uh, Eric, you where are the fact just, checkers? You can't just make stuff up, Eric. Like you can't, like he's making shit up. What was the other thing? He made another thing up about Johnny. It was, one was the even strength minutes. Can't remember what the other thing was, but it's just, it's like, dude, that is not actually fact. You are sitting there making shit up. And what 85% of the the listeners aren't going to go and they don't know where to find the stats. I mean, you're a fucking wizard. I'm like, dude, can you find this two seconds later? Here it is. But like people don't know how to find that shit. They just, Oh, I guess they take it for face value. Well, it's fucking, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable that he's allowed to do that is, is we're well, I mean, you, know what? you can't, you can, I know we talk about him a lot on this, but like you can absolutely trace the fear of this fan base of losing Johnny Gaudreau back to him because like, he's been fucking talking about this since the, I don't know why, like I, he never seems to say this about like any other American player. Noah Hannafin, like all these guys, like he's never said a word, but like since day one, he's been like, Joe's not signing here. Joe's not signing here. He's not going to sign here. It's like, dude, he just signed a six year extension. Yeah. Well, when that's up, he's going to leave. Well, I remember. Well, so what I was going to say is like this, we post this thing up on Twitter. It's got over 25,000 views in 48 hours. Remember, I think it was last year when Pinder roasted him. Yeah. That was the same thing. Eric's going around. He's not, he, Johnny's not, Joe's not going to sign here. He's not going to resign to Calgary. Like it's a definitive fact that he knows. And he's going all over on all these different publications and radios saying this, spreading this all over the place. And then Pinder has him. It's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Do you know that for a fact? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> hypothetically, yo. And it's like, dude, where is your accountability? Who's holding you accountable for fucking lying? Just for what? You have a weird fetish. You obviously love John. He secretly loves Johnny Gaudreau. He must. He, he secretly has some weird dark room in his house dedicated to Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> and I'm not even talking. These aren't even like hockey pictures, dude. These are like pictures of him and his girlfriend where he has he cuts out the girlfriend's face, puts his on there. It's like <laughs> this guy is secretly obsessed with Johnny Gaudreau. <clears throat> This must be what's happening because this is just fucking weird and bizarre. And I'm just shocked that 
there's no one in this journalism world is, is like holding this guy accountable. So it's like, dude, you're lying. You're lying publicly on your, like you're broadcasting lies. Like that's what, like they're not even real what you're saying. He's like Joe Davola, just like, you know, cutting up pictures of Elaine and shit. But the thing that's like <clears throat> mind blowing to me is like that the Gautreau family is like very aware of this bullshit and like very uh, vocally against his bullshit. Like, and he still continues to press on, man. It's like Katie goes on, Katie Gaudreau goes on Twitter, fucking roasts him. No, I block, move on, still saying the same old shit. Johnny's parents are, well, it's his mom and his uncle are always just like, yeah, this is bullshit. Like it's, I've, I've never seen anything like this where like maybe it used to happen in like Toronto or something, but off the top of my head, I don't know any journalist air quotes, uh, professional athlete relationship that is like so fucking weird. Yeah, it is weird. And you know, every time we post this shit, there are like a few people that come out and they're like, Oh, it's journalist. Like, let it go. And I don't yeah, think like, they oh, understand. He's just, she's just trying to be. It's different than him trying to play like devil's ad- advocate or be like, or like clickbait hot or, uh, yeah. you know, like it's not clickbait. It's like, or even, it's not even just bad takes. Like when I come on here and say, yeah, Chris, the Chris Tanev signing is fucking atrocious. And then Chris Tanev is great. It's not like that. It's like this guy is going out of his way for six, seven years to like, I don't smear Johnny Gaudreau for an unknown reason. Yeah. I, I understand where those people are coming from and I agree, but I don't think they understand the extent of the weird twisted, <laughs> just how personal he's made this. And it's like, dude, this is our best player. He is literally our MVP this season. Oh, uh, he's if, Austin Matthews isn't scoring at this rate. Johnny Joe sh- should be a slam dunk for the heart trophy. <clears throat> so how do you explain that then, Eric? If he's nowhere near this team's best forward, <laughs> all he is is a power play guy, doesn't want to resign here. He hates it here. Dude, he's – where would we – my question is, would we be – would we still be in a playoff race? We would be in a race. I don't know if we'd be sitting atop the division – without Johnny Gaudreau, but where would this team be without Johnny Gaudreau this season? Well, just on this road trip, like the LA and Anaheim games, guy was out of his fucking mind. Oh my God. Those passes, dude. Like, holy shit. Like he's, he made in LA, like it's Johnny three Kings too. Like, and even in the Anaheim game, he was lights out. Um, it's just like he's he, he he should be the Hart Trophy winner if it were not for Austin Matthews scoring, probably going to score 60 goals this year. Like he has been so good for this team. It's been incredible. Man, unbelievable. Like those. Um, like, I can't believe how good he is every night. You know, every night. Like 2018, 2019, everybody remembers the top line and. Johnny kind of like they, they weren't great down the stretch, you know. I'm kind of just like me. You know what he is? It's like remember when Patrick Kane was in his prime? You're like, oh fuck, we're playing Chicago tonight. Watch out for this guy. You know you have to watch out for him. He still gets four points. He's just setting up guy. Like that's where Johnny Goodrow is playing right now. My and I know you we opened up with this. Like they're sure the only argument really that holds any weight is he hasn't done it in the playoffs yet, right? But 
the team has never been a playoff team, so to speak. Right. Like we've, so th- it'll be interesting this season because it'll be really interesting. I was having this discussion with somebody who was, who was voicing this concern saying, I'm posting all these incredible Johnny Gaudreau five on five regular season stats this year. And this guy was saying, and I understand he was just like, yeah, but like playoffs, you know, but like, come on, like he's playing a different game now than he ever has. Well, on a different team with different on a line team mates. that actually has good players on, on a, a line. He's playing act- with, he's, there's, he's playing with two other elite players. Yeah. For the first time ever. And like, on a on a on a team that is coached by a guy who's won two Stanley Cup. So like I, I don't re- ever recall uh, watching this team in this type of uh, a situation where you actually feel pretty confident going into the playoffs because like I, I was I wasn't old enough to really sink my teeth in and, re- and really remember these you know the '90s teams or the '80s teams. Well, even the 90s team, like, what did they, that's the thing. They've won 2004 and 2015 are the only times they've ever been past the first round since they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> so no Flames fan has ever really, unless you're old enough to, to watch those games. No, well, that, like that, nobody has seen it. And that 04 run was just Cinderella shit, man. Totally. No, I mean, the 2015 win was even, they were a underdog. So nobody saw that coming either. So we've never entered a season outside 2018-2019 where they got shake hand where it's like, yeah, we should be good. The playoffs should be fun to watch, and we might actually be able to do some damage here. What, what's uh, the interesting one for me is when you see people online kind of discredit Johnny's season because he's in a contract season. Yeah. It's just like, oh, my God. Okay, well. I think the biggest difference we're seeing from Johnny Goudreau, he's on a, he's well coached for first time in his career. Easily. Maybe he's had well coaching and for, for periods of time, but he's never had excellent coaching. I mean, and you and I have on this podcast, that's something that we've been fucking harping for since we started this thing. Right. We finally got that in place. Now look at the team. Now you have Johnny Gaudreau playing with two elite players. He's never played with two elite line mates ever in his career. Was Hoodler elite? No. He was an excellent player, but was he was not elite. Is he Matthew Kachuk? Not even close. Lindholm is... Uh, look, uh, you and I both were had questions around him as a 1C going into the season, but I don't have a question about him anymore. It's fucking 100%. He's a 1C. He's elite. When he when Johnny was playing with with Monahan, Monahan was an elite goal scorer. But even still, you're just like, Lindholm is about to hit forty goals, and it starts to put stuff into perspective pretty quickly, right? Because you go back and you look. Because I'm texting you, I'm like, shit, he's gonna hit forty. Who was the last guy to hit forty? Sean Monahan never hit forty, did he? No. Sean Monahan never hit 40. And you're like, okay, well, who's the guy before him? And you're just like, did Cam Larry hit 40? No. Glenn Cross? No. Jerome. That was the last guy to hit 40. So putting yeah. things into perspective, man, like this guy 
it's not, I don't even think he's just having a hell of a season, even though he is, he is an elite player. If you go back, Lindholm's already like, what does he have? Did he, he has 37 now, right? 37. Um, that's the highest total since Jerome scored 43 in 2011. And be before, before that, Camilleri had 39. So like Monahan sees career high as 34. So Lindholm is, dude, he's getting right up there. And I don't know, man. Like I, I, I felt like online it was the same thing. People were just kind of shocked that Monty never hit forty. Right? You, you just assume that. Oh no! Look, look at him, Lindholm. I mean, he's the new Monahan. Monahan must hit forty, right? No. So for the first time in Johnny's career, he's playing with two elite line mates. Two of them. There could be an argument made that Sean was an elite goal scorer in his prime, playing with Johnny. But they never had another elite winger. I mean, that's why that top line is so good. Oh, yeah. Chuck does so much work for that line that if you don't watch the team on a nightly basis, I think most people just think Chuck is is just a flashy goal scorer, point getter. But, I mean, if you watch the team on a nightly basis, you know he is one of the best two-way players in the game. But I think the other thing, people saying, like, oh, Goudreau, contract year, contract year. It's like, have you watched this guy's fucking defensive game this season? There's only two players in the NHL who are like above uh, a 70 above 70% in terms of a goals for percentage. So like goal differential at five on five and it's Kachok and Gaudreau. Like they're, they're the two best players at five on five this season. Like it, you don't just, for me, if it was Gaudreau, Oh, he's just in a contract here. That's why he's so good. He wouldn't be having such incredible results on both sides of the ice this season at five on five. Like you can't just make that switch. That's coaching. He's being coached very well. Yeah. He's he is playing under excellent coaching on an actually good team, good defensive team yeah. with elite line mates. That's if he's in that situation, he'll score hundred again. Yeah. So 70, what? 10 games left. Uh, 99 points, dude. If he gets, like, some of the stats are mind-boggling. Like, I mean, obviously, it's a career high for him. He leads the NHL in even strength points, like, by by, by not just a not just a, a minimal amount. Like, he leads no, Austin Matthews. No, he's just a playoff performer. <laughs> he leads it. Austin Matthews by seven points in terms of even strength points. He has no, 70, no, 78. He only gets points on the power play, period. I'm a journalist. I said so. I don't. I don't need to even look at the facts. This is. This I know is everything. My, hey, this is Michael Backlund's team now. It's, it's going to shift over to being Michael Backlund's team, you guys. Yeah, the guy that fucking skates around like he doesn't have a brain in his head half the time. It's his team now. It was in never Johnny's. Never will be. In terms of primary assists, Johnny is second in the league behind uh, Jonathan Huberto only. And obviously he leads the league in uh, primary assists at even strength. But like when you start breaking it down, like he's, he's getting like, I think he what tied somebody on, on the flames for like most assists in a season. Like he's getting into like historical record territory fucking shit. It's incredible. And I mean, he could, if he gets seven more even strength points in the final 10 games, he'd surpass McDavid for, the fourth most even strength points in a season since Steve Eiserman in 1993. He'll never, ever hit 99.4 again. Ever. ever. In his career, my opinion, 
So he's closed in on a already a franchise. He's closing in. He needs to get to 81 even strength points. He has 78 right now to, to tie the franchise record for even strength points in a season. Like ever. Like the top three right now, Guy Schwenard with 81. Bob McMillan, who I don't even know who that is, was 79. And Kent Nielsen was 78. Johnny's tied him at 78. Three more points and he'll set a franchise record for even strength points in a season. He's also closing in on most assists in a season. Kent Nielsen has the record at 82. Johnny has 65 right now. 66. Does he have 66 yet? Anyways, he, he's he, like he's going to get probably to number three or four. It's just like, dude, this guy is just setting records left and right. And I think what's the most impressive thing to me about this is the style of game he's playing at both ends of the ice. Because, like, I mean, Daryl even said it. He's like, he's our best checker. He said Johnny Gaudreau, she said Johnny Gaudreau is our best checker. Dude, he's... I, look, he's played stretches of unbelievable hockey in his career, right? You go back to the multiple seasons where he's one player of the month, he just goes off. He's played like that all season long and some, right? Like you're saying. Not only is he going off offensively, but since playing under under Daryl Sutter, which by the way was never going to work, this is this was a never going to work combinational. He's in for it. Do-do-do-do. These they're going to clash. This is the end of Johnny Gaudreau as we know it. Uh, no, he's actually even better, an even he's better hockey better player than, than we thought. Which comes back to this point: Can we just get a real fucking coach? I cannot believe how much fucking time yeah. we wasted with amateur fucking coaching. Years, was, five years we wasted. When it was so fucking obvious. But no, you get to listen to all these fucking experts. It's the players. It you can't be bring, the coach. Bring in Scotty Bowman wouldn't make a fucking difference with this group. Bench him. What else are you supposed to do? At this point, At this you point, have to scratch Johnny Gaudreau. At this point, there's no other solution. Sit him in the press box. Wins the fucking heart trophy next season. <laughs> Nonsense. Like, fuck right off. I can't believe like this is what boggles my mind is these sports writers are fucking stupid. Not all of them, there's some good ones. But like, how is this guy? I don't I just don't understand. How is this guy? He got a fucking he got bigger responsibility. Like before this season, he was just kind of the you know, the intermission interviewer with another, you know, panel in between. He's just like, he's got bigger, he's got a bigger voice for the organization now than he ever has. And he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. What's he going to do? Like, okay, so my, like, he's obviously going to go full on. Like, he is just crossing his fingers, hoping to God the Flames suck in the playoffs and Johnny Udrow sucks in the playoffs. Cause that'll, that's his, that's really his only, thing that he has left and the Gaudreau detractors have left is, Oh, he sucks in the playoffs. Yep. And I mean, well, he's already starting to do that. Oh yeah. It's, it's all the, the seeds are being planted, right? Oh, it's you know, I want the regular season. It's all, it's about the playoffs. Oh yeah. No, let's totally write, write this off. Well, don't fans regular season cares. Says, okay. Well, well, he's having one of the best regular seasons in flames history. No, that's not, that doesn't matter. 
playoffs. If what do you say there is? Like if Johnny Gaudreau has the same playoffs he's had in the past, all fans won't care if he leaves. Basically, that's what he said. I don't have the quote. You might. I don't have it, but like, dude, but he's, this, he's, this playoff. Let's get into this playoff thing because, like, wait, I'll tell you what what Eric Francis' next move is. He's going to start some sort of sponsorship commercial affiliate thing with Viagra. Because how else is he getting a boner right now? The only way he's the only way he's getting a boner is by harping on Johnny Gaudreau and talking shit about him. So it gets him off. But Johnny's been so good. This guy's been limp dick all season long. He's going to be fucking doing Viagra, Exempa. What'd you call it? Ozempic? I don't know. I keep seeing that. Ask your doctor about Ozempic. Yeah. Ask Eric Francis about Ozempic. (laughs) It's what he has to use now. That Johnny Gaudreau is so good. He's got no other way to get off. It's not even a joke, though. Well, yeah, I know kind of is, but it's not, right? That's what, it's, that's what it makes it sad and funny at the same time. Okay, playoffs. Let's go. What a this. loser. Well, oh, I hear. Man. Here's my thing is you're looking at these games, LA, Anaheim, San Jose. In the past, this team never, ever would have swept this road trip. Under Ward, you probably would have lost. Swept? Two. You would be like fucked. Or you would have, like LA would have caught you by now. The Oilers would have caught you by oh, now. Oh, 100%. Like, no discussion. But you're looking at it, you're like, fuck, this top line is so fucking good. I mean, you see them in that San Jose game even. Look at, like, you look at the passes in the LA Kings, the Anaheim game. The San Jose game, Chucky. Oh, dude, just fucking roofs it. Lindholm comes down, snipes it. And then Johnny to Chucky for the empty netter. You're just like. Dude, this line is so fucking good. It is the best line in the league. So, yes, it is going to be a story. This will be, for me, the top storyline for the team coming rolling into playoffs. Because you've seen it before. You've seen it in the past. My biggest question, Mark, for Johnny Gaudreau specifically, is how is he going to battle his way through in the playoffs because things are going to get tightened up. He's going to be the number one target. Whoever we play, you know, they're going to have whatever, whatever that player is going to be the second line center, the third line center, where, whoever the guy that's his main focus is to ruin Johnny Gaudreau's life. It's going to happen in the past. This is where we've seen Johnny Gaudreau hit a wall it's different now because he's playing. He doesn't have to fucking carry the team on his shoulders. Or maybe he does. <laughs> but in the past, this has been our biggest argument for Johnny and Monty in the playoffs, right? It's just like, oh, they couldn't get it done again. Yeah, well, the rest of the team did fucking dick all as well. So, like, you expect two guys to just carry it. Doesn't work in Edmonton. So, that'll be my biggest storyline to watch is. Can the other two line mates help carry Johnny through that? How does Daryl work the matchups? Because there is someone is going to target him. That's going to be hands down a given. We're going to see it first shift. The first shift of the playoffs, someone's going to be hacking and whacking him, following him around the ice, trying to scare him. And 
this is the one thing about Johnny that I've seen in the past is he starts to kind of shy away when things get really dirty. Like we've seen it with the Ducks. How many times have we played the Ducks in the yeah. playoffs? Mm-hmm. Where Getzlav and Perry just fucking go to town, made his world a living hell. And then he gets super frustrated because the team's not scoring. And so he has to do it all, right? So Well, that's what you saw in the Colorado series, for sure. Like, I remember that game five where they got eliminated. Like, he's finally maybe starting to get some chances. He gets a breakaway, gets fucking hacked, gets a penalty shot, can't bury it. And everyone's like, oh, fucking Johnny Goodrow. It's like, yeah, well, where's Backlund? Where is Lindholm? Like, I mean, right? Like, Lindholm has been on this team through two playoffs and has sucked just as much as Johnny Goodrow <laughs> in both of them. So, um, the, the criticism is always levied at Johnny Gaudreau. And yeah, he's the best player on the team. But if he struggles, the rest of the team has been fucked in the path. So like you're saying, with these two line mates and hopefully with the depth of the team, and now that Johnny is playing, like Daryl's been preaching this all year, right? You have to play checking, a checking game all the time in all three zones. And he's been specifically harping, harping on it down the stretch here where it's like, okay, Things are tightening up. Things always tighten up. These teams who have been through the playoff <clears throat> pushes before and have won championships, they will play really tight games. You know, teams like LA, they know how to play right now. And there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for guys who haven't played like that before. And Johnny was fucking great against the Kings. That road trip was unbelievable. Yeah, like, to me, any doubt about how this team is going to play in the playoffs was put to rest this past week. I think they're going to be ready to roll. Yeah. Not saying they're good enough to go all the way. Well, no. time will tell, but they're not going to fucking suck. Like it's not going to be reading. six games of like, holy shit. What a shit show again. Whoever they play is going to be a really tight series regardless. Like that. Look, what was the last playoff series we played Dallas? Yeah. That Dallas series was entertaining. Cause you had Lucic, Dubé and Bennett just fucking absolutely demolishing destroying guys they were going on a terror they were getting some hope we won do we win two games you barely we won the first two games and then bolt and they got reverse swept so yes it was entertaining and and kind of we, there was we saw some good things but if you really break that game down both from the eyeball test and from the analytical test the ice was heavily heavily slanted and I mean, I just, for me, what that's what sums up that series is that play where Dallas is in our end for like four minutes. They're just like they're coming in waves, they're coming in waves, they're coming in waves. We're barely holding on to this lead. And it's like, how long can you sustain this? And then you have that play where Lindholm, he's behind the net, he tries to get it out, takes a slapper from behind the net to try and rim it around, doesn't get it out, and they score. That to me sums up that entire series of like, you're hoping and praying you can hold on. Mm-hmm. You can survive this onslaught because it was just like wave after wave. And that, like, that's how the coach said he wanted to play <laughs> from that point on. So I think it's complete. Like, this is a completely different team style of coaching. And we're just playing way different hockey. We're playing. We've been playing playoff hockey all season. But we're playing a brand of hockey that you can see it. It's sustainable. And it's the type of brand of hockey you want to play if you're looking to actually have playoff success. You can count on one hand the bad games from this team this year. Yeah, there's like, what, four now? 
And by bad, it's like, yeah, they didn't play very good. There, there hasn't been a night where it's just like, holy shit. We got outshot, outchanced by an insane margin and got embarrassed out of the building. Like that has not happened once this year. Maybe the Vancouver game just based on score, but based on how they actually played, that wasn't the case. Dude, we were in control of 98% of that road trip we just played, four games straight. And I'm just super impressed with the situational ability of this team to, you know, like sweep a road trip. Because, like, you know, lost three in a row. Everyone's like, are they going to back into the playoffs? They're starting to slip, starting to slip. They clamp down and win four straight. They've they've never swept California ever, and they swept California. Like LA, I was thinking, LA. I was like, remember when we, we couldn't win in Anaheim for like 40 years? It's <laughs> it like, you bad, don't even dude. think about that now that Daryl's here. Dude, it was I like mean, I know they broke that under Gullison or whatever, but like. No, yeah. It was 25 in a row or something like that. These weird stats, now that we have a good coach and play a, an actual, you know, we play up to NHL standard hockey. A lot of these weird stats that used to be commonplace, it's like the Flames haven't won on a Tuesday on a back-to-back in 43 games. It's like none of that shit ever comes up anymore. Like that, to me, that road trip is very telling of where those teams at. Totally. And like winning on the road, that's the thing. People don't, I, I think that's undervalued. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Because like, fuck dude, like that's, that's what the, it's my only reference point for the flames in the playoffs. But yeah. that was the thing about those, about those series in 2004 is like the flames would go in and it's like game one in Detroit. They steal game one. Yeah. They, they were just so good on the road that year. It was just such an advantage. And then when you combine that with, they've been pretty dominant on home ice. A lot of the year they've had some stretches where they've slumped at home ice and probably want to be a little bit better. But when you can play like that on the road, you can play simple hockey. And I mean, that's what we talked about last time. And they we just need a road trip so we can simplify, get back to our game. And that's what they did. Like that's huge in the playoffs. Fucking huge. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at that four game road road trip. You win all four. You're in control of pretty much the, the road trip the whole time. If you're looking at this team in previous seasons, I mean, now when we play teams lower in the standings, not only you're like, yeah, they're probably going to win. You know, before this season, you're like, fuck, we're probably going to lose this. And then they do. Or you're like, who? what's going to happen? We're going to blow them out or we're going to get yeah. blown out. It's like flip a coin. Now you know they're they're ready to play every game. Like Daryl has totally changed the he's fixed the mindset of whatever the fuck was going on with these guys not being able to play these trap games ever um, to just sweeping a road trip. Your the LA game was the closest one, and LA is the best best competition out of the four teams. But they made pretty swift work of Anaheim, San Jose, and, and Seattle. It's not like they. Expect expended a lot of energy doing it well i mean the san jose game i was really impressed with because like that's a team we've had trouble with this year um and you know in years past i can see them like yeah we've had a hard time against san jose and getting and losing that game and they were awesome yeah and then san jose has scored two bouncing goals again yeah yeah i want to go back like those we played them four times i think like 95 percent of their goals were just fluky bouncing things totally Final point on this this top line, the playoff storyline, and I know we've talked about this before with Johnny Gaudreau specifically. 
Because I don't buy it. I do not buy it. I do not buy that he can't perform in the playoffs and this team will never win with him in the playoffs. Like I, I've never bought that shit. And I know we've talked about this before on recent podcasts, not recent, but previous podcasts, Johnny Gaudreau to me, here's how I look at it. He's never had a, the proper support around him on the team, meaning you have guys that if Johnny Gaudreau is having an off period or an off game, um, there's there's someone else that can step up and carry the workload of contribution, obviously goal scoring, to help give him that little bit of time to get back on back into form, right? Or to go through something that he's going through. Like he's going to be heavily targeted. It's not going to be easy for him. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. And we know that his, his size is not going to be, you know, playing in favor for him, but I think it's can go either way. He can use his size. He's so evasive, right? So this is what we've said in the past. I want to reiterate it is that Johnny Gaudreau has another level. And it's not necessarily, oh, my God, he can score more points. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that come playoff time, this guy is, dude, this guy is one of the smartest hockey players ever. He's that smart. He can find a way to push through whatever challenges are going to come at him in playoffs. And I know we've said this before, but he's never had anybody to help him through that. And I think the biggest difference now is you have a coach in Daryl Sutter, you have a coaching staff that not only can they do that, they already know what I'm saying. They already know. Daryl already fucking knows what's going to happen in Johnny Gaudreau come playoff time. All this shit that I'm saying, he's going to be heavily targeted. It's going to be, his life's going to be a living hell. You think Daryl doesn't already fucking know this? You think Daryl hasn't even had a, you think Daryl probably had a conversation about it. He's probably starting, I don't know if he's starting to prepare these guys yet, but he's probably had little tidbits of Johnny. Now that we're winding down, the season's going to start to look like this. Here's what you need to do. Use this, use that, like use your skill, right? To get to that threshold of playoff performer Johnny that everybody wants to see and the biggest harp he's had on because these fucking expert writers are actually fucking stupid. He needs coaching someone that knows some of the answers i think he'll find it i think he'll find the threshold it's going to help that he has two other elite line mates the first time in his career two and playing on a good team so as as long as there is some secondary scoring i think the is going to be huge where the fuck's yarn crook is he coming back i mean we need this guy to be contributing as well but there are going to be little lapses, I think, in the first round at least. Maybe we go to the second round, the first two rounds, where it's just like we're going to need other contributing players because it's going to be difficult for Johnny. He's going to figure it out, but he might need little pieces, chunks of time within games where he's just not relied upon, right? If all the focus is on him and he's getting shut down, because he's playing against, like, if we're playing the Kings in the first round, 
It's going to be Danelle versus Johnny. Or maybe it's Copa. I don't know who it is. But there's going to be times within games where all the focus is on him. So now somebody else fucking chip in. Give Johnny a little bit of extra time. So I know we've said this before, but I have no concern about this guy in the playoffs. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never chalked up our playoff failures under him ever. It's always been other things for me. Well, the thing I, yeah, the thing I say to people is like, okay, let's say Johnny Gaudreau scores four goals in the, in the, in the series against Anaheim. You got fucking swept. You got fucking steamrolled. Brian Elliott shit his pants and Glenn Gulletson didn't know what he was doing. If Johnny Gaudreau scores four goals, so that's four and four. If he scores a goal a game, do you win that series? Do you even win a game in that series? No. no. If Johnny Gaudreau scores four goals against the Colorado Avalanche in that series, does that stop you from getting fucking steamrolled and outshot 50 to 10 every game? No, because no, Backlund still can't hit a fucking wide open net. So, so like... Like you're saying, but, he's he's got to get to another level. I think he will. But now there's just so much more support around him <clears throat> that's going to help him get to another level. And any way you slice it, the way I look at it, it's like Johnny Gaudreau is part of the solution moving oh, forward in the playoffs and not the opposite. Eric, you fucking dipshit. Well, and just the last point on that, Daryl has even talked about that, right? Because everybody's trying to, everybody's jerking Johnny off this week outside of Francis about how he's hit 99 points, 99 points. And Daryl's like, there's a lot of guys who get points. There's not a lot, a lot of guys who get big points and not a lot of guys who have the same five on five impact in terms of goal differential that Johnny has this year and Lindholm and Kachuk too. That's what he's focused on. That's what wins playoff games. Right, you, you don't. Too many people go look at Johnny Gaudreau's point totals after you know the playoff games. Oh, zero points. It's like it's like Daryl saying, it doesn't matter. His impact on the ice, five on five this year, where he's been fucking phenomenal in both ends of the ice. That's what's going to matter in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and like you already mentioned, checking. Yeah. I mean, Daryl's been reiterating this. It's like it's no, it's not about defense. It's not about defending. It's about checking. It's about getting the puck back. That's why the Bruins are fucking perpetually good. Yeah. They're always one of the best checking teams, which means they always have to have the puck more than the other team. So if Johnny Gaudreau already has that piece in place, I don't know, dude. He's this guy up yeah, until the, now. The you thing know I'm this. worried about the least heading into the playoffs is how Johnny Gaudreau is going to play. Yeah, but for me, it is going to be probably my number one storyline is how how soon can he, can, he, can he find his way through that threshold of just being a target all day, all game long. Well, and that's the thing with, yeah, that's the thing with the playoffs too, that I think if you, if you look at who wins the Stanley cup or who has playoff success, like it's very rarely like, Hey, one guy who you expected to be awesome was awesome. It's like, there's so many different storylines in the playoffs. Like I remember like being a Dallas stars fan as a kid and the year they won the Stanley cup, it was like, Hey, Mike Medano, he was struggling for a bit in the same, in like the second round and Joe Newendike was unbelievable in that series. So it's like you get through that series because one line was really good. There, it, it, you need more than just one guy to be able to do it in the playoffs. And like throughout history, that's always how it's been. It's not like, Oh, you know, Chicago won because Kane and Taves were unbelievable. Both of them for two months. It's like, no, they had guys like Bufflin. They had guys like sharp. They had guys like Versteeg. They had just up and down the lineup. 
They Hosa? Had a, yeah, Hosa. Like, go through every team who's won the Stanley Cup. Like, was Ovechkin the reason that Lightning or the Caps won the Cup that year? It was like, no, they had like guys like Smith Pelly was fucking unreal, you know? So, was it Lar- yeah, fucking Oshi and right? It's TJ was it Lars Eller, unreal. no, who like was Lars it? Eller scored the yeah, Stanley Cup winning goal. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, even those years in Pittsburgh, you know, it's like. Who do you remember from game seven, the, the year Pittsburgh won the first cup? Crosby was hurt. He didn't even play half that game. Max Talbot was fucking unreal. All right. Sorry for the interruption, folks. Just got to get an word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. So for NBA fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get 150 bucks in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or you live in Canada, you can still get a big payday with huge cash prizes from DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN as in the Hockey Podcast Network and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. Promo code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus only minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. There's a minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you live in Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. If you're in Connecticut, call 888 quadruple seven or visit ccpg.org slash chat in new york call eight seven seven eight hope and why mark andre Fleury. so it's like everybody's got this laser focus on like Gaudreau in the playoffs Gaudreau in the playoffs Gaudreau in the playoffs Gaudreau in the playoffs it's like look around this team and daryl was even talking about it with with the two guys who are the most consistent players this year is trevor lewis and tyler Toffoli. it's like honestly dude um those last two games or this road trip for lewis yeah. Totally. That's why he's on. That's why for me, for the first time this whole season, I was like, I totally understand why Trevor Lewis is on this team and plays every game. Lewis scores and against San Jose, an absolute greaser. And this is the this is the type of goals we can expect from from Lewis. But these are the type of goals in the playoffs. You need to find a way to fucking grease goals out. He's just doing smart. Like you said, simple hockey. You're you're already up one nothing against San Jose. He carries the puck to the net, drives hard. <laughs> Reimer, like what like, that was funny, eh? Because he's complaining about like, dude, what is what what is what is this fucking Cinderella sports, Reimer? You can't fucking drive the net. There was zero. I wish they would have challenged that because that would have been laughable. But it's like, dude, he drove hard to the net and you and basically put it in before he even touched you, but that was pretty funny. But then he he scores back to back goals, and that game against Seattle to me is even more impressive because oh, totally the San Jose the San Jose one is is just just a greasy fucking that doesn't go in half the time. But the one against Seattle, like he's battling in front, gets a pass, able to protect the puck and then bury it. Huh. And and I'm I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know what, this is interesting. You're 10 games away from playoffs starting. Lewis has been a consistent player all season long. Not con- It's not like he's throwing up mad points or anything. He's not like a superstar by any stretch, obviously. 
Like, how do you explain this, this type of player? But he's very consistent in what he's brought. And now it seems like he's amping it up. Like this guy understands the 82 game season and you know, he understands the playoffs, but I think you're right. I mean, you're starting to see exactly what you said. We're seeing why he's on this team. Dude, how good was he on that shift? Like he draws the penalty and like that cycle he gets going. That was fucking unbelievable. It's a hell of a shift. But um, I think understanding your role is a huge thing. Daryl's been Big talking time. about that <laughs> Big time. all season. And that's why Lewis is here. And like, you've probably heard me complaining about like, he doesn't have the best underlying numbers. He's not, he's not great. This is why he's here in a playoff series. That guy knows what he's doing. Um, <clears throat> and that's going to come up huge. And you know what? I'm loving getting to this point again, where it's like, we actually love the greasers. We love the plugs again. Yep. You know, it's like you, instead of like, fuck, I hate Nordstrom. He sucks. I hate Dominic Simone. What a loser. It's like now the greasers are like, we like them again. Well, they have defined roles that they can execute. Yeah, totally. It's like that fourth line. Like I know Lewis has been playing uh, in the Yarncroc spot, but like the Lucic, Lucic has been great the last few games. Carpenters, like that line has doing exactly what you want them to do. Cycle Dude, Lucic the is playing. Bodies play great. Lucic is executing that fourth line role. Totally. Fucking perfection and doing it well like better than most most guys can do but i think you're right dude this role thing this is going to be a storyline as well to watch in playoffs if you look at you can tell who knows their role on this team because we can sit here and define it like we know johnny Gaudreau's role we know matthew kachuk's role and lindholm's role right matthew like johnny Gaudreau's role is this top team's point producer and this number one, this number one forward on this team, like he, he's that's his role, as well as being responsible defensively, checking, playing both sides. If we can go down the lineup, there are some players that I think are still struggling because I say, what's Dubé's role? Backland, I think we say we know what his role should be, but we can't really define it because I don't even think he's, he's too inconsistent. He hasn't he hasn't been able to execute his role. But there are players, in the, like everybody at the decor is pretty simple, straightforward. But, yeah, it's going to be a big storyline come, come playoff time. Mike it's Stone's cool. role is to fucking blast every puck he gets. Just blast it. Do we know what's going on with Shillington? Uh, I haven't heard anything. Because I thought he was day-to-day. I did, too. It's been, like, what, two weeks? A week? And maybe he is Maybe he is ready, but Daryl's waiting. Well, yeah, even if he is ready and – I know a lot of people have been a bit like, well, what's with the D going on? It's this is this is important not only for rest purposes, but because in the playoffs, if you're going on a deep run, guys are getting hurt. You need to yeah. be able to have Mackey or Valamaki or Stone come into a playoff series and be ready. Like, not to be all Mr. 2004 again, but like, dude, the D core back then was like like the second pairing was like what Montador and Commodore? Ferrance. Who's? Yeah, Ference was there. Ference and like guys were hurt. Guys Warner? were banged up. I remember just watching Warner and Ah, dude. Oh, dude, he was just like his face is just like smashed up every single night. He was a warrior. So you need guys to be ready to go in the playoffs. So I, I'm assuming Daryl's not only resting those guys who need rest, but getting those other guys ready for if and when they need to come in. Oh yeah, dude, you're sitting. I'm, I'm sitting like, oh man, this is so interesting to watch how he's managing this. 
Could you imagine Ward even thinking about this? It's like we heard no, there was no report of either Zadorov or Gabranson being hurt or injured. And then they're both out. We got Val Mackey and Mackey coming in. I'm assuming it's just for maintenance. But you're like, you know what? Those those two big boys have played a lot of bruising hockey in the last 20, 25 games. And Dude, how many shot blocks did Gabranson have against the Kings? Like 80? Man, he's like, how much more could you want out of this guy? <laughs> so, and you know, Daryl's going to say, well, I want you to amp it up even more in the playoffs. So I think you're right. He's not only giving them some rest because they fucking need it, but he's also giving these other guys reps because there's probably going to be a situation where we need some, some defensive depth to come in and take some sort of position. Hopefully it's not, hopefully it's not Tanev. Hopefully it's not Chris because holy shit. Although Hannafin was pretty fucking excellent on that road trip as well. Yeah, he had a great road trip. Um, how concerned are you with the power play? It's a little concerning because it's like the one thing where it's like, hey, if we get into a playoff game that's really close and comes down to a power play goal, I'll take whoever we're playing. Like, I have a well, every now. goal is so fucking huge. Yeah, like the playoffs. like even this week, right? Like this week, the Flames played great, but the games were still very close in terms of score. And in the playoffs, it's going to be that times a fucking hundred million. So the margin for error is slim. And the fact the power play is not super deadly is a little concerning. Yeah, they got to hopefully figure that out. Every goal is fucking ginormous. But if your power play is your biggest weakness, and I think it is, I pulled the, the fan base on Twitter last night. What's the biggest weakness heading into playoffs? Power play, secondary scoring, depth down the middle, or yeah. depth on the back end. And 43% say power play. Yeah, I think power, secondary yeah. secondary scoring is an argument there. We'll see what happens. I'd like to see Manji Pawnee fucking pot one. Yeah, like, get off the Schneid on? there, bud. He's on the Schneid. Coleman seems like he's got off the Schneid. But one goal every, what were you saying, 24 games for Coleman? Is that that's how pace he is? Or? What does he have, 13, 14 now? The thing is, I'm hoping with Coleman, he does get his chances. So – I'll give him that, but I'm hoping to come playoff time, he's he's ready to roll. I'm kind of giving him the benefit that it's out there since he has been such a great playoff player in the past two years. Um, yeah, I'm just looking because most likely we're probably going to play Nashville. Their their power play is better than ours in terms of percentage. I have not watched one Predators game this year, so I can't tell you anything more than the percentage is better. So if you're playing Nashville, it could come down in a seven, six, in a very tight series. It could come down to how good the power play is. The saving grace of the flames is the penalty kill is back to being really good. Power penalty kill is excellent. And five on five were awesome. Yeah, so. so just the power play. And I don't know, secondary scoring, like you said, Manjapani needs to start burying it. You'd like to see Backlund maybe a little bit more, but I mean, now that you have to Foley and, Dubé is a weird one because it's like he's see, he's still getting his chances. I've kind of liked that line, him with Lewis. And like Lewis has been good, obviously, in the past four games. Coleman and Dubé, like they they had that chance against Anaheim. Like they were getting their chances. It's just they're having Dubé. This guy can't. He's like the new Matt Lombardi. It's like Buddy couldn't score if the net was wide open on a breakaway. That's a fully goal against Anaheim. Huge goal, too. Well, and you're just looking at it like, he makes it look so easy, so yeah. it's it's easy to overlook how fucking great that was. 
but he makes that move higher up in the crease. Yeah. And the, he finishes it from up there. You're just like, holy shit, how many guys would do that? Most, most guys would just continue to carry the puck. And then the goaltender might have a chance to get across. But well, Coleman did try the same back forehand, a backhand move on that play. I was talking with Dubé, but he does it way too late, and then he just puts it right in the pad. It's like exactly. the finish the finishing ability of Tyler Foley is oh. just beautiful. He is so skilled at that. But who did it better? Johnny Gaudreau against the Kings or Tyler Foley against the Ducks? I'll take Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> yeah, that was unbelievable. That was insane. Fucking so good. So let's bring this up because I know it's a big talking point. Um, but then when you really break it down and look at it, is it? That's why I want to bring it up. Because everybody's, I mean, we were doing this early in the season until we just kind of were like, you know what? Daryl probably knows what he's doing. But Markstrom is, is he starts against LA. He starts against San Jose. He starts against Seattle. And a lot of people are like worried about it he's playing too much but if you if you break it down he's on pace for 65 games and i i think we talked about this at the beginning of the season did we not we're like where do you project him how much is daryl gonna play him and i think we said you probably don't want to play him more than 65 but like that sweet spot for him might be between 60 65 and i know it seems like he's he's playing too much but if you really break it down I don't know that he is. And I honestly, I know we had that we had um Woodley on. He's the mm-hmm. goalie guy. Yeah. And when he was saying when he played in Vancouver, when he was getting hella shots, that's when he started playing at his best. He was he was looking at it from just a single 60-minute perspective. Yeah. But I'm starting to see the same thing from a, a more stretched out perspective, talking about games played. The more he gets played. And played. And I mean, these look, this road trip, these aren't really tough games for him. They're like considered easy games, right? Because he's not getting a hell of a lot of work. Did you watch the game like yesterday against Seattle? Nothing happened. But like when he is called upon to make the saves, it's like he's there. It's kind of like the same thing to me. It's very comparable when he's getting like 40 shots a night when he was in Vancouver. He's like, yeah, no problem. But then that starts to grind down on you. Time of like you're getting hella work. Now it's different. He's playing, he's getting hella work, but within each game, there's this, it's not a overwhelming amount of shots that he has to make. So he can stretch it out more, but you, you noticed something that Daryl mentioned the other day about his minutes. Well, our good buddy, Eric had a actual good piece. Well, it wasn't good, but he's asking good questions. He was just asked, he had an article about Daryl starting Markstrom. And what Daryl said is he has a cap. That is around minutes played, not starts and not games. So Daryl says he knows how many minutes Markstrom will play, should play, and he will get to that threshold and not be on it. So kind of based on the math, if Markstrom played like, what, 62 game, what has he played right now, 57? He's played 57 games. Um, If he gets to 62, that would be about 3,700 minutes. So that kind of gets him to that area. So you probably think he would play maybe six more games this season, which I think seems very reasonable. And I mean, I like looking at it from a minutes played perspective as well. And and the thing is like you're saying, right? Like he's not facing a huge workload every single night. No, like I think that's how you have to look at it is 
this team is one of the best teams. They're definitely top five in terms of high danger chances against overall as a whole. I think maybe Boston and Minnesota and Nashville are better. They don't give up very much on a nightly basis in terms of chances, let alone shots. Like how many times has this team allowed more than what? 35 shots this season. Dude, how many times have we been outshot? Like exactly. Like it's usually seldom. Usually right into the first period, second period, we're like, we're out shooting them by 30%. Yeah. So I do think there is something to that in terms of how hard these guys are playing. Like if you even do a quick cross section of like, okay, here's how many minutes a goal he's played versus how many high danger chances his team has allowed. Like, it's not like he's Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg who are the one of the worst defensive teams in the entire league getting creamed every night, just having insane workloads and facing 40 shots a night with 20 scoring chances every single period. Yeah. Like, I mean, you even look at somebody like Demko, obviously, and he's facing a lot of shots. Vancouver's D is not very good. So I'm not too worried about it because I think the flames, if you, if you took a Venn diagram of the teams who are allowing the fewest chances and riding a number one goaltender, like Markstrom's got to be at the, at the lower end of that list. Right. Cause like, who are the big, who are the goalies who are playing a lot this year? And in well, general, like Hellebuck, obviously, Vasilevsky. And I like to, to Demko, you know, do I don't like, know who, who's Tampa's backup. I don't even know who it is. Yeah, I have literally no idea. I know it used to be McElhaney. Don't know who it is right now. Don't no know who clue. Tampa like. So I think this does kind of get over, over talked about. And that's the other thing too is like, has Markstrom, is he showing he's tired? Doesn't look no. tired to me. No, nope. there was maybe a point. Great. There was maybe a point a third of the way into the season. Where it's not like last dead, year but... when he gets concussed. Yeah. And then is suddenly back for 20 straight games and stinks. It's like, well, of course. Um, so I don't know. I you, you gotta trust Daryl on this one. I haven't seen any signs from this. And I mean, you even look at like his career, like, okay, his his career high in, in starts was or in games played was 2018, 2019. He played six, he played 60 games back to back years, 17, 18. Um, so that's really the last time there was a full season was 2018, 2019. He played 60 that year. So he's used to it. It's not well, like he's never played 60 games before. Even, uh, you know, coming back to the role thing. He knows he's the go-to guy every night. And he wants to be the go-to guy. This guy is a fucking psycho. You're yeah, telling he me is. he doesn't sit in his room and just stare at at the wall in like a hyperbolic chamber if he lets in more than three or four goals. <laughs> Guys, I've never like he's he, he he's like the opposite in, of Kiprasov. It's like you he know puts Kipper him, would, he it, puts himself in solitary confinement. Dude, seriously, just sits there and stares at the wall. Like he is a gamer. So I'm, well, not, wor- be, I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, like you said, no, there's right now there's no signs of fatigue. And you can look at a performance too, right? He's better than ever. He is having the best season of his career by a by a large margin. Like I'm watching these games, and even last night against Seattle, he just shuts it down. Shuts it down. Oh wow, they got Markstrom's fucking. He shuts it down. Yeah. So, so this is this is the other interesting storyline for me is when was the last time we had? Fan, well, everybody knows the answer to this since Kiprasov. But that's always been a fucking big issue for this team in the playoffs yeah. since since Kiprasov left. We've had atrocious goaltending in the playoffs. Like it lost us 
banana again, a series against Anaheim. Who was in net before that under under Hartley? Was it Hiller? The Ramo uh, Hiller combo. They're they're Hiller. pretty. They were okay in that series, but I mean, it's just Vancouver. Remember, Hiller started the series and then sucked in that in that maybe back to back games, and then Ramo finished the series. Yeah. And then in the 2016, 2017 years, Brian Elliott and Gullitson had no clue what he was doing and waited until it was three, nothing in game four to pull him, even though he was terrible the previous three games. And then I guess the only other time was Mike Smith and Cam Talbot was amazing. So I am feeling feeling pretty good. So somebody on Calgary Puck actually pulled up the minutes played by every single Stanley Cup winning goaltender since the lockout. Um, the highest was Jonathan Quick in 2012. He played over 5,000 minutes total that year between playoffs and regular season. 4,000 minutes in the regular season. So right now, Markstrom's at like what almost 3,500 minutes. So he's, he's, he's almost past everybody on that list. But you got to keep in mind that there hasn't been a full season in two years. So Vasilevsky hasn't played as much the last two years because the season has been fucking shut down or shortened. So I, I, I'm i not too worried about it. Like he's played as many games, almost as many games as Vasilevsky this year. Like Vasilevsky has played 56. Markstrom played 57. Does anybody have any worries about Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay? I don't see any pe- anybody freaking out about that. So these games, I don't know if we even is there any point doing game stats? Like they're all the same. We we Dude, these we, are like four category. straight copycat games outside of like Johnny Gaudreau was fucking amazing in the well then let's just let's just look at the games. Yeah, let's just go through the games real so quick. So that LA game, you're right. I think Johnny Gaudreau was just like, you know what? Like fuck Kempe is good, man. Yeah, he's so like, good. Like LA is is not gonna be an easy out. I would love to see LA play Edmonton first. It looks round like that's who they're going to play. It looks like Edmonton, LA, and it looks like us versus a central team. Because the Oilers are on a fucking roll right now, but they could have a bit of a challenge. Well, you the, saw Winnipeg. LA. You saw what Winnipeg was able to do a shitty defensive team. They they managed to they managed to shut the Oilers down. I like to see what a good defensive team could do against the Oilers in a playoff series. And they got uh, they got some pop too. Oh yeah. So, but so Johnny gets one right off the bat, off the butt. That's kind of funny. Kempe scores two straight. And then that, I mean, we look, we're repeating ourselves here, but Johnny gets it behind the net. Start the timer. Like, how long did he have it? Six, yeah, at eight, least six, five, seven six seconds. seconds. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, the more time he has it, the more dangerous the situation becomes. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I think if you're defending, you got to attack them. You should just, I don't want anybody on the opponents to listen to this, <laughs> but I think your best bet is you yeah. just flush him out right away. Cause the longer he gets back there, what happens? I mean, you watch Lindholm. He is fucking becoming a master at this. This reminds me of Ovechkin's office, right? Yeah. On the power play. It's like, you know, it's coming. No one can still, you still can't stop it. It's in, it's in there every time. This is starting to turn into this. You watch Lindholm. He's down. At the bottom of the circle, and he's like, "Oh, Johnny's got it behind the net. I know what to do." And then he comes up, way up to the top slot. He just goes away from the play, away from the play, because he knows as soon as he cuts back, it's going to be on a stick. And 
He goes around the defender. LA obviously didn't get the memo. It'll be interesting because the playoff when it comes to a playoff matchup. Yeah. They're going to have the memo. It's going to be a lot harder to pull this off. But the precision of timing and accuracy and you know pass placement that Johnny is and like how where is he finding the seam? He's got a guy on. He's got a defender on either side. He's got to pass it through sticks, through skates, through the other other defender in the high slot, tape to tape every fucking time. <laughs> it's it's an incredible pass. Even like I think only rivaled by the pass in the Anaheim game. But Dude, oh, I, I was thinking it was like, why don't they try the, Johnny? Is is there a better player behind the goal line than Gaudreau? Why don't they try that setup? Yeah, exactly. Why don't they try that setup on the fucking power play? Oh, shit. Eh? Have occasionally different look. Johnny takes the puck behind the net. You're telling me he couldn't find Lindholm with an extra, like, come on. Yeah. Can they not come up with a new fucking playoff or a power play play? It where blows just... my mind. Nobody tries the behind the net power play. Cause let's like, it's could be such an advantage. If you have a playmaker like Kedrow. It's an interesting take, man. And I agree. The only it was only rivaled by like the Anaheim one was oh, even dude, more ridiculous. Dude, it was ridiculous. Backhand, cross body. It was even a little bit higher in the slot through more traffic. Like this. Oh, the, the, the timing was more difficult. Because yeah. he he had to. It wasn't like Lindholm was gonna was there. It was like he was going to be there. Like that was unbelievable. Just the timing to execute that. Like you said, it was higher up there. Fuck. And dude, credit to Lindholm too for burying those. That's Michael Backlund, dude. Does he even get a shot off? <laughs> dude, if that's Backlund, it's in either row six or he fans on it. Or if that's Oof. Backlund, A, he doesn't can't get there. He doesn't he will never figure out how to get to that spot. If that's Mongiapani, it's going right in the crest. That's Trevor Lewis. He's <laughs> probably trying to take the puck away from Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> And then Johnny's game winner, dude, from Carpenter. That was an excellent dude. Heads up play by Carpenter, but man, that Great. finish was just like yeah, that finish is just something else, dude. He's so good and tight. Man, he's thank and, God he figured out how to score in a breakaway. Eh? Right? Holy shit. That was a that was a weird mental block. The last few minutes of this game were Okay, we we, we yeah, it was up the officiating is absurd, dude. Okay, but although, let, I was, I was, yeah. yeah, outside of Seattle, it's been fucking atrocious, man. Like Kachuk gives Jersey that little love tap, and he goes down late. Okay, who is this Jersey guy? Like Johnny rear naked chokes this guy, and he falls down like a little bitch. That was awesome, by the way. If that doesn't oh, tell you everything about how Johnny Gaudreau has changed his game, like, dude, have you ever seen Johnny Gaudreau take somebody down in a scrum before? Well, that's first penalty of the season. Like, fucking fuck. amazing. And then, like, Kachuk is that little love tap to Jersey. Like, come on. But Dude. let me just say, I didn't like the calls and pissed me off. But I like that these, the, I like seeing the team go through these situations. Because you know, yeah. shit like this is going to, these close games are coming up in the playoffs. It's true. Like, it's true. Close as fuck. You need to be able to play in these, in these situations where you need a fucking monster penalty kill. Yeah, huge penalty kill in a game at any point, let alone in the last two minutes, and they shut it down, and it was awesome. So it's like Gabranson and Tanev were unbelievable in that game. Those guys are going to be warriors to come to the playoffs. Just hope they don't get hurt. But you need to you need those situations because that's what's the playoffs. Every game, every shift is going to be like that. 
that was like playoffs. I was fucking, my yeah. heart was pounding, dude. Yeah. The last five minutes of that. Yeah. The Anaheim game, we already talked about the Johnny and the Toffoli goal. And then there's fucking Stone, dude. Like, dude. That, I think that was the best goal of the road trip, to be honest. Dude. Okay. Like, let me just say it's funny that he blasts it every single time he gets it, but it's also awesome. Well, the thing is, like, on that specific play and most plays when Stone gets it, something like he, man, he's playing good. But there's something about Stone where he seems to always have a bit of time, eh, to come down and shoot it. Like he's getting into that spot somehow. But because I continually find myself saying, dude, he's about to blast it. Go high. Roof it high. Like, because if they, we just saw it in that situation, when he shoots it that hard, if he goes bar down, he'll score like fucking eight out of ten times. Well, and it gives Fuck you a different it. look that like no, very few power plays actually rely on the bomb from the point anymore. And I mean, for mostly good reason, that's usually a low percentage play. But when you have that look, sometimes it can it like it can change things up and it yeah. can be an asset if used properly. This wasn't a power play goal, though, was it? Against Anaheim? I, wasn't it? I know he scored a power play goal against Seattle last night. I thought it was a power play goal. He had a lot of fucking time if it wasn't. Jeez. Let me just double check. But dude, that no, dude, it was even strength. What? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But it, it is pretty funny that he just like literally every single time he gets it, it's just you know, it's blast, 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 well, dude, blast, blast. I'm he as he should. That's his biggest strength, man. That shot is unbelievable. You know what's interesting? And I was bringing this up last night because he scores an overtime or a power play goal against uh, Seattle. And on PP two, is he not a threat now? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You give him that, give him that look, like. But I remember telling you this because when they when they first g- acquired him, I and remember you could this. tell you could tell he had a fucking bomb, yeah, and he was just blasting, 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 and the power play was struggling big time. I remember this is the f- for only time I ever called into overtime or whatever. It was Pinder at the time, and I was like, Pinder, why don't they throw Stone on the power play? What do you have to lose? The fucking power play blows anyways. The guy's got a fucking bomb. And he's like, oh, fuck, he was never because he was never on the power players, blah blah blah. And I was just like, well, I don't know, man. Like, he's got a fucking bomb. Dude, there's and now, and now I'm vindicated. You vindicated a few years later. Fuck you. Vindicated. Under under a real coach knows what he's doing. Well, it gives you a different threat, and that's the thing about the Flames power play is that it is so one dimensional, right? Like, good power plays have different options and that's why it's always hard to deal with because if the puck goes to stone and he can fucking blast it like that, you have to respect that the puck can go to stone and he can blast it like that. So you have to play that side hard. Dude, why is he he doesn't blast it, pass it over the other side. Dude, why is he on PP one? Dude, like you're telling me he like, at least if you have RAS back there, stone can at least be a threat to shoot. And Stone, man, great road trip, dude. Yeah, so in that Anaheim game, he plays 18. Like, dude, as much as I've ripped on this guy for, like, fun in the last few years, he's come in after not playing for, like, two years. He's He played 18 minutes, almost 19 minutes against the Ducks, scores a goal, gets an assist, two shots, nine shot attempts, three scoring chances. Plus, he's fucking, he's Plus tough, he's man. Plus, he's physical as fuck. Oh, yeah, he's fucking hard to play against which i like because as for much as his he has issues with defensive coverage and and gets caught in his own zone a lot he's tough to play against if the puck's down low yeah so chucky scores the empty netter 
Um, but again, I'm at, here I am. I'm like, dude, where's fucking Manjipani, bro? How how has his underlings been? Is he, he's, he's been yeah, he's still been really good on most okay. nights. And I thought he had a really good game last night against Seattle, but he's got to start putting the puck in the net, man. Yeah, we need more goals, like, especially come playoff time. But I could see if, him. Maybe he's a new Jelani. Yeah, we'll been, oh, dude. If everybody was as good as Manjapani was when they're not scoring, they'd be like, he's so good away from the puck. But dude, you need this guy to start coming through with some goals here. Yeah. San Jose, Chucky gets the uh, first Oof. turnover, comes down. Beautiful goal. I know you love that one. And then he scores the empty netter. See, to me, that's why I like, I know people love the Chuck when he gets fancy, but to me, He's most effective when he's just like playing simple, smart hockey. Yeah, meat and potatoes, eh? Like just fucking grab hard four check turnover roof. Beautiful. Seattle Coleman finally gets on the board. Was he overdue? How's his game been away from the puck? Well, he again, he's been a, he's a he's a scoring chance volume shooter. Like he he gets a, he's probably the highest. I think I looked at it the other day. He has generated like the most five on five scoring chances. He's very scoring chance heavy. He just can't score a lot of the time. So yeah, okay. I think I'm still, I, I know it pisses me off that he doesn't score. I'm always like, what the fuck is Coleman? What's he doing? But I think come playoff time, he's going to be, he'll be fine. Fucking better be. Yeah, he better be. <laughs> I don't want to see any Instagram shit. In the playoffs, Blake. I want to see zero pictures of you and your family. You can't even log in once. No. Take the phone away. Take Blake's phone away. Take his take his family away. Hold his family at ransom. He's way better on the road. It's true, dude. Like, has he not been w- way better on the road? Yeah, I think you're right. Just that's just me thinking about games he's played this year, but. So that was good to get see him get one. Um, we already talked about Lewis's his goal. Then Stone scores the Ovechkin on the power play. Um, what do you think of the, the Toffoli empty netter where Dubé is just like, dude, 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 dude. Okay. I thought it was, yeah, I thought he was fucking it. I thought he fucked it up, but like he almost like he almost he, fucked that up. Like if that's obviously it's different, but if you're playoffs, yeah, you gotta bury you, it. <laughs> you don't bury that. So I, I get it, but like you know, the panel was was saying, "Oh, that's gonna go a long way in the yeah. dressing room." <laughs> so Foley's so, probably like, "Hey, numb nuts, shoot that next time." Hey, dipshit. But anyways, he gets twenty. So that's totally Foley's twentieth. Foley seemed pretty jacked on the bench. Eh? I love Foley. Me too. So I love I love Dubay too, but. He, I, I'm hoping do like his. I think we're starting to see what Sutter's getting him to work on, because I think he has been pretty good. He's just got shit luck the last few games. I have liked his game. He's playing with speed. He's playing physical. He's tapping the net a bit more. So hopefully that starts to pay off soon. So what are lines two to four, um, as you see them going into playoffs? And where the fuck's Yarn Crook? How sick is this guy? Yeah, like it's a non-COVID sickness. Even though every time I see the guy, he's wearing a mask and nobody else is. Where the hell is he? So Dubé's been playing with Defoldi and Lewis lately. Or no, not Defoldi. Dubé, Coleman, Lewis. So Dubé, Coleman, Lewis. It's at line three. Yeah. So who's line four? Carpenter, Carpenter. Richie, and Luch. How did okay? After snapping your leg in half, how do you come back so quick? 
is, is did they did they clone him? Dude, is this, is this the real Brett Ritchie? It's it's Richie and Coleman look exactly the same. I think the Flames just have like a, a secret stem cell lab of Richie's and Coleman's in Calgary. <laughs> they should be stem celling Goudreau and Kachuk. Yeah, wrong guys to stem cell. Yeah, enough plugs. Yeah. Okay, I so don't know. Then... Richie's been fine, but I think you probably want Yarkrock in the lineup over over one of those guys. Yeah. So then line, what's line two been? Line two's been Monge with Backlund to Foley. Which I'm still curious See, about because, like, yeah. to me, the best formation of that line would be Manjapani Coleman in Backland. I know, but then how do you play? But then where do you put? Yeah, how do you play Coleman over? Toffoli I think you have point? to have. Yeah, you have to have Toffoli in a top six rotation. Maybe there's like maybe there's a couple other variations when Aaron Kroc comes back, and it will yeah. see. Because yeah, I don't think they've. If Manjapani scoring goals, I think you're fine with the. Because if you put Backlund, Coleman, Manjapani, all of whom can't score a fucking goal of late, um, you're probably not getting much scoring out of that unit. But well, yeah, they showed that one goal club, eh? Yeah, right. Like Manjapani's one in what 17, 18? There's eight guys that have scored one goal in the last thirty games. Like fuck. Yeah, that's a little worrisome. All right. Anything um, that you've heard from Daryl that you want to throw in here before we start to wrap things up? No, I. The only thing I heard from him, uh, I didn't listen to his post game, but I heard him yesterday talk. Everybody's been going off about like trying to get him to jerk players off stuff, right? Like, oh, Gaudreau's so good. Oh, Lindholm's so good. Chuck's so good. Carpenter's been good, eh? And Daryl was just like, enough with this individual talk. The team is playing good, and that's all that matters. Fuck you so good, eh? So all right, let's uh just wrap things up real quick with uh let's take a look because we were talking about this. This is gonna be interesting. Watching the east, like Ooh. the two wild card spots in the east, right? This is how good the east is. Dude, this blew my mind when you told me this. The two wild card spots currently in the east are Tampa Bay and Washington. Like the east is stacked. Tampa Bay is in a wild card spot. What? Boston and Toronto are ahead of like it's Boston, Toronto, and Florida and Tampa. That's your division. <sighs> Holy fuck, man. Jeez, I'm gonna have Toronto. Usually I fucking hate watching the East. I I'm gonna love watching the East. Oh, it's gonna be musty because this, is, this like, is going to be good hockey. Dude, even to even even the series of the prospect of Toronto Boston around one again. Holy. Yeah. Uh, if playoffs started today, and he, how about Rangers Pittsburgh? How good would oh, that be? Oh man! If playoffs started today, it'd be Carolina playing Tampa. <laughs> I sorry, Carolina. I don't like your odds. That would be fucking. You win amazing. your division and have to play Tampa Bay. How's that? Um, yes, Toronto Boston round one. Give me that, please, dude. I want to see it so bad. You know, Toronto fans are like, oh, fuck. I know, like, holy shit, dude. Can you imagine? If you're a Toronto fan, you're either playing Boston or Tampa. Tampa. Like that's those are your two <laughs> options, round one. Who do you want? Fuck. But Toronto's been playing good. And Matthews is a fucking freak. Yeah, it feels like I feel like I say this every year. It's like now this is the year Toronto finally gets over the hump. But do you, you have to yeah. play Boston or Tampa Bay and you have Calgary and Campbell in net, like you might be in trouble. How good would that series be, man? Toronto Boston, dude. I can't. That that's what I want to see. I want to see Toronto Boston. I guess I better uh, warn my family you're they're not going to see me for the next. Yeah, first, dude. Of... Is there anything better than round one of the playoffs? In, in the dude, hockey? I'm like literally 
probably everybody does this just uh, sit there flipping through the fucking channels for like five hours my th- and when the flames are there it's just like you because you have the pro oh, have yeah. all the games before and it's just like okay hey, fucking yeah. uh i know what i'm doing for the next wait. 10 hours okay? when the flames the... aren't there it's still i like watching it but it's not nearly obviously yeah no. it's just kind of like a drag so wrapping things up at the in the west unfortunately edmonton's good again yeah, they're rolling. But, but Stone or not Stone Smith and Koskinen, folks. Smith and Koskinen. It's only I would a matter of time. See, I would absolutely love to see a Edmonton LA first round. Yeah, I like LA. I mean, okay, Edmonton's really good. They beat them the other night, but like over a seven game series, come on, the Kings are going to be a tough out for a team like the Oilers. Um, you're thinking Nashville looks like Vegas is, uh, they've turned things around. So Vegas is currently tied in points for the final playoff spot with Dallas, but Dallas has two games in hand. Dallas. You can never really trust Dallas though. Like they fucking blew it against New Jersey yesterday. Yeah. I mean, they have a minus goal differentially Dallas. I, this Dallas is so weird. It's like, they should always be good and they always aren't good. I don't. I wouldn't want to play them. I don't want to play anybody. I just don't want to play. Period. You, yeah, yeah. You can't. I'm at a place now where I'm. I'm not looking for. I don't want to play. No. I want to obviously be in the playoffs. I just don't want to play anybody ever. <laughs> Everybody terrifies me now. That's the mindset I'm giving myself. Yeah, you have to be but, scared of everyone. But do you think Vegas gets in? I think they do. I think they're going to put a stranglehold on Dallas. Do they? Play I Dallas? think if I had to pick between Dallas and Vegas. I'm taking Vegas because like Dallas always, I always have Dallas goalies in my fantasy team and they always let me down. So I got to go Vegas. I don't know. That's two games in hand. If Dallas wins one of them, it's pretty tough. I feel like Vegas might actually have a better shot of catching LA. They're, yeah, two, back, they're two back of LA, that's same true. amount of games played. So maybe they catch they, the um, Here's Vegas's week. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Whew. Those are and three three teams playing listen, really good right now. As much as I want to see LA play Edmonton, can you imagine if they have to play Vegas? Get Mark oh, they, Stone, Mark dude, Stone back, dude. Fuck that. Come I'm on, I'm cheering for Vegas, bro. Come dude, on, dude. I never even fucking. Why didn't I think of that? No, I think no. Vegas would light the Oilers up. I agree. I'm cheering for Vegas. Yeah. And then Vegas does play Dallas once in the final oh, week. That's huge. Yeah, it's gonna probably come down to that game, dude. Good. Okay, man. Give us a closing thought here. I dude, I just can't wait for playoffs. Like, right? Like, this is like this is gonna be unbelievable. Like, this is gonna be unbelievable. We've um, man, it's been forever. Feels like, I guess it hasn't. It's been three years since a full season and a playoff year where we're good. What was the um? We set a we tied a franchise record in eighteen nineteen for. Wins for, for, for wins was it wins or points? Wins. They How many wins 50? do we have? We have 44 right now. They could get there. Yeah, they could totally get there. They got 10 games left. They're not gonna win five of those. Yeah. Probably gonna win more more than five. We have 97 points. We so might Matt, be able to clinch, yeah. We won't be able to clinch a playoff spot this week. Eh? We'll be clinching real soon. I think the magic number is like four, so that's in relation to Vegas. So any combination of like if the flames win two games, they win a clinch a spot two more wins or two more vegas losses and then i was looking at the math because edmonton is 10 or seven they're seven points back and they have nine points 
Yeah, I think I think if we just like win nine games left. I saw it so, earlier and I don't remember what it was, but we can uh officially um, like if we win if we win yeah. five games, we'll finish. All we have to win, I think all we have to win is five games out of the remaining ten. Yeah. To finish first in the in the division. And here's what's crazy, dude. Because everybody forgets that Daryl wasn't was only the coach of this team for two full seasons before he took on full GM. If he if the Flames win the division, which they will. His his coaching his three full years in coaching the Calgary Flames will be Stanley Cup finalist, Northwest Division champions, Pacific Division champions. You don't feel like your team's getting enough respect in the league. Gotta earn it, young man. 